In the name of the Father, and the Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, we're going to be talking about relationships today, and to try and talk about relationships, I wanted to show you a video. This is from, it looks like the Son's going to cooperate to some degree. And do we have sound plugged in on there, just to make sure, on the computer? Okay, so here's a video. Hopefully it goes through. I didn't double-check it before this morning. We come into this world needing others. Then we are told it's braver to go it alone. That independence is the way to accomplish. But there's another way to live. A way that sees the only path to fulfillment is through others. That our time here can be deep beyond measure. No one who chose interdependence ever found despair. Because what the world taught as weakness is in fact our greatest virtue. Anyone seen it? Okay. That was, a, it ran a few months ago. This was on regular TV, so if no one's ever watches, right, who's probably watched a commercial in the last five years? They're like, who's watched the commercial? You just hit uh, zip ahead for a little bit. So that's from Mass Mutual. It's an insurance company. Obviously, they're trying to sell you something, correct? But what, what's the impression, or why do you think they put a commercial like that that said, you know, we grow up, here's an exact quote. Uh, we come into this world needing others, then we are told it is braver to go it alone. That independence is the way to accomplish, but there is another way to live. Who, what are they trying to sell? I think they observed a couple things, and I think one, they, they would admit themselves they're trying to reach a millennial group, and I'm not just trying to like, make a dig on millennials. I'm very close to that millennial age group. But the millennials live longer with their family than any other generation. So they live longer like in their parents' basements and things like that than any other generation. So I think they're... Why is everyone looking at each other? There's a lot of looks all around. Like, so. and they live longer with their parents than any other generation, and I think they're trying to say, hey, it is okay to lean on other people. That's okay. But what would be the other reason? I think they observe something in America as we become digitized. I don't know if that's the word for it. But we become more and more um, independent. And I think most of us growing up, we have an idea that says you do things on your own. There's, there's a pride in doing things on your own. Um, we just put in a new railing. There's a pride in a sense that I didn't want to call my friends. And I didn't want people to look too closely at it. But I didn't want to call my, my friends to say, hey, can you show me how to do this? I wanted to kind of be able to do this myself. And I've told you there's projects I take on that are smart. And then, then there's fixing my car. I mean, so there's other options. But why? There's kind of a joy in doing it your, yourself. But I think they picked on that we picked up on that in America, we don't lean on a lot of people. We're not a society that kind of everyone huddles together and says, hey, we're going to all do this, you know, all family together. How many of you would have asked this, since you live in Colorado, moved away from your family? So this was unheard of for a long, long time. So if you think about generations, it was a huge deal when my parents moved away from their parents. My mom grew up on a farm, and she went to school, uh, University of Wyoming, and then I became a teacher, so she left home. This was a big deal. She left South Shore, South Dakota. My dad did the same thing, grew up south of Chicago, and he became a teacher, and he moved. How many of you, so just raise your hand, do not live away from your family? I th is there anybody who lives close to their family? I think I can think of one extended family, two. Owen lives close to his family. That's good. Thanks for not moving away, buddy. 
when you become a YouTuber or something and you have a real job, you can work from home. I'll let you do that. I'll be your agent. So, they, so there's, uh, most of us have moved away from home. That's kind of how we work. You kind of make your own way, and you move all the way around the country, and we struggle with that. So now there's a thing that they're talking about, parasocial relationships. So I've got a couple pictures up here. How many of you like Adele? Adele just announced that she may do her last tour ever. She just announced that. She's, I don't know, I don't think she's even 30. All her albums used to correspond to her age, I think, and then they just stopped corresponding to her age. That's really tricky. So Adele, a lot of people feel, do you feel like you could get along with Adele? I think there's an appeal to, to Adele rather than some other superstars that people say, hey, I relate to her. And if she was just hanging out here, it feels like in the back eating some donuts. I'm not making any stereotypes, but eating, eating some donuts in the back. It, it feels like you could talk to her, doesn't it? So let's give another option. In the 90s then, there was a television show that had this idea that if you just showed up on that show, you would be part of the group, which show... There's a couple shows like that. One was in the 80s, um, started in the 80s, Cheers. You had an idea that you could just show up to the bar and Cheers, and you'd like, hey, I would belong. And then in the 90s, I think there's a show where if you join this show and this cast, you feel like you'd get along. Can you, you know what show I'm thinking of? What's that? Real World. I don't even know what Real World is. It's empty. Oh, all right. Empty. I didn't have cable. So keep in mind that all mine are going to be skewed because I've never owned cable in my life. So... Here's another PBS example. <laughs> I was thinking of Friends, and then I think this is kind of the new Friends. If you watched the, uh, the, the Big Bang Theory, here's an idea. You feel like you could just, you just kind of wish, as my friend said, I wish I was a little nerdier so that I could get along with the people on that show. So these are rocket scientists, I think. I've never actually seen this show. And so there's this idea that you could get along with these people. So let me think of in your mind who you relate to that's on a screen. Anyone here relate to like Harry Potter and Hermione Granger? In a sense, like you could just, some of you grew up with Harry Potter. You really did. You grew up. And I, I missed that era. I think that would have been super enjoyable to wait for the next book to come out and things like that. But some people totally relate to Harry Potter or they relate to Hermione. They feel like if, if I was at Hogwarts, this is who I would hang out with. There's no way I'd be hanging out with Slytherin and all these other things. I would be in Dumbledore's army and I'd be hanging out with them. Uh, sports stars, do, do you recognize who this is? I did, intentionally did not have a jersey on this person. He's super relatable, right? He's got glasses. He shows his frailty. That's Von Miller. He plays for the, uh, Von Miller plays for the uh, Broncos. It, there's a sense. Do you think if Bron, Von Miller was like your neighbor, you'd be buddies? There, there is kind of a sense. Not all stars are like that. John Elway, I'm positive he's the guy who would run over like my sidewalk and wreck things. I mean, but most, but Vaughn Miller, I think we'd be friends. It feels like he'd wave and he'd be cool. And, you know, not everybody is like that. I have the same thing with my dog. You know, my dog is named after a cyclist named Jens Voigt. I've never talked to Jens Voigt, um, but what I just listened to his commentary, and I feel like if I ran into Jens Voigt at a bike race, we'd be buddies. Like, we'd just talk. We'd be having a beer or something. Me, you know, me and Jensy just hanging out. So my last one, and I think this is kind of where this whole thing has moved, especially on late-night television. Late-night television, I think you've seen some of maybe your parents grew up with, like Johnny Carson. But it's kind of shifted where they used to really dig into people, right? And it's shifted. So like a David Letterman, I don't think he's funny at all. I don't know why I've watched him ever. But So David Letterman is kind of a digging personality. He makes fun of people. Um, you see that again at late night. And you, are you thinking who I'm thinking of? Who I don't think he's ever made fun of anyone ever. 
Jimmy Fallon, like, it, doesn't this seem like the most fun guy to ever have? As If he was our youth group pastor, that, I would go to youth group. I mean, because I don't watch the show. I, I go to bed way too early, but I see snippets of it. And just watch that. He never makes fun of anybody. He thinks everybody is funny. He's like your friend that laughs at all your jokes. And he's funny. You know, so this is this relationship. So they call this parasocial relationships. That if we become more and more connected to our phones and digital and screens, that we start to have these kind of a relationship, a friendship with someone who's way off in the distance. We have the sense that we would be close to them. Now, certain things, I think, perpetuate that. And I think the biggest one for a lot of people is Twitter. So let me give you an example. Uh, Twitter, so if you follow basketball, does anyone follow NBA basketball? I follow NBA basketball. I don't watch NBA basketball. I know that sounds opposite because I don't watch any games. I did not watch a single NBA game this last year, but I could tell you all the trades and who just got a big contract. And, but Kyrie Irving plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he made a request. So he plays next to, do you know, LeBron James. So they've gone to the finals, if you're not a basketball person. They've gone to the finals three years in a row, lost one, lost. And they would probably go to the finals again if they stayed together. So Kyrie Irving put in a request that says, I do not want to play along LeBron James anymore because I want to put out my own shingle and I want to make my own kind of life. Now, there's another star on that team who's kind of in the background. His name is Kevin Love. Sounds like a DJ name, doesn't it? They're like, son, if you don't do anything, you become a DJ, Kevin Love. Uh, so Kevin Love, is, uh, Kevin Love is a superstar on that team, and you can know what Kevin Love feels about this. Do you know how? Because right after Kyrie Urban made these statements, if you're a Kevin Love fan and you follow him on Twitter, he lets out his own, like a text message to you to let you know how he feels. Why do I bring that up? Because I think all this stuff kind of moves people to have this connection with people they really don't. I mean, these are distant people that don't have any idea who we are, but there's a sense that we have this connection with them. And I think you see it whenever there's a death of a superstar. And you just think about what happened when you see, like when you heard that Michael Jackson died. People are weeping, right? Did you see the news? You watch Prince. I didn't even know people were fans of Prince, but like star after star is talking, like crying, talking about the impact that Prince had on their lives. You can see the same things with sports stars, um, same thing with authors like Vince Flynn. And I think the first person to me in my lifetime that had that kind of impact where I, it, I could not get my brain about it. So think of a death where this seemed to have a way bigger impact than it should. I'm just, this is my lifetime, remember. So in the last 40 years, Princess Di was mind-boggling to me as a kid. And I can't remember how many years ago. This is probably 20 years ago at least. I don't know. Someone knows the date. If you have a tattoo of it on your shoulder, you can raise your hand. Um, so, but do you remember the impact that that had? Did that make sense to you? Where there was like mounds and mounds of flowers outside the gates and people crying and people like mourned for over a week for an individual that they had really no connection with. She was the start of it. If they had social media right now, and Princess Di, it seems like, would be off the charts, if, if I'm guessing. So why do, I, why do I bring all these things up? Um, because today we're talking about relationships. And relationships matter. So if we, we're going to read in this section from Jesus. Here's Jesus talking about relationships and how they matter. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. 
Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So we're going to talk in two parts. One is relationships matter, right? Can we agree on that? If we not, I'm going to show you what Jesus thinks about relationships. Relationships matter, but here's the truth. Relationships are messy. Like, you cannot really love people unless you have relationships. You can't just give things to people. You can't just send nice letters. You can't, to love someone, you have to have a relationship with that person. And to have a relationship, any relationship, is going to be messy. So first, let's talk about how Jesus talks about it, and then we'll go from there. So I've got a couple of Bible passages, a number of them. Here's Jesus just describing from his ministry. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat, into, and sat, in, it, sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore on the water's edge. What is our point? There's a mass of people that Jesus got involved with even to the point of, we're going to talk later, feeding the 5,000. Jesus gets involved in people's lives, and he let these people kind of crowd into his space. Does that sound like a comfortable situation? There's masses of people following you around wherever you go. No, it does not sound great. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and obviously so was Jesus. This is his first miracle, but what does Jesus? He gets involved. He goes to events. He goes to weddings. He didn't just kind of hang out in a monastery and just be by himself. Instead, he got involved in people's lives. He accepted invitations. He went to those things. But what did the people think about it? So here are the Pharisees talking about Jesus' life. It says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they said, here is a glutton and a drunkard. Obviously, Jesus was not a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. What would be your takeaway that people would observe about Jesus? Think of the holiest people you know. And how would you describe them? As the holiest people you know, right? Most of us are probably thinking of our grandmother or something like that. Um, so most of us, you're thinking of this person, and that's how you describe them. They're like a saint, right? But would you describe that same person? Jesus is obviously the holiest person they had ever met. Would you describe that same person you can think of as they're a friend of sinners? I think that's remarkable. I mean, I think when they, when they looked at Jesus, they said, this guy gets involved in people's lives. He's talking about tax collectors. We're talking about sinners, all the people that you normally would not get involved in. So we'll, we'll get to a point here in a second. When Jesus reached this spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. i got to go to your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, obviously, these are pretty judgmental people that he's dealing with. But how many people in your life, when you say, I'm going to this person's house, would be like, ooh. Are most of the choices you've made people that are just like you? People that are socially acceptable. I mean, is it all, no one is worried about the people that you're going to sock because none of them are really on the edge. They're all, you know, they're all clean and they all pay their bills and they all have late model cars. I mean, so that's the question I think you have to ask yourself. Would anyone ever question whose house you're going to? They question Jesus. Why would we ever get involved in a messy relationship? And I think relationships matter to Jesus, but why would we ever, why is it worth the risk? 
Every, relation, every single relationship you have would be easier without it. Every single one. There is no relationship where your life would be easier without it. With that relationship. Because if you have a real relationship where you really love someone, you got that, there's a cost to it. There's a cost to loving your kids. There's a cost to loving your spouse. There's a cost to loving other people at church. There's a cost to being part of a community. There's a cost to being a good neighbor. Unless you're just a taker. So if you're a Christian at all and you're trying to invest in people's lives, there's a cost to it. So why would we bother? And we point again to Jesus. Jesus says we love because he first loved us. When you talk about relationships, when you talk about someone who loves their enemies, when you talk about someone who looks at you and we'd like to think, we'd like to think Jesus loves us because we're pretty awesome, but that's not the case. Most of the friendships you have, people like you for some kind of reason, right? Because this is how they say it. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Like, big deal. Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. It's called networking. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. You know, what, what, is it a big deal if you're nice to people who are nice to you? No, because the world does that. Like, everybody does that. Is it a big deal to lend money to people who, who are going to give you that money back? No. None of this is a big deal, but Jesus is asking you to live in a different way. Jesus is asking you to open up your heart to people in your own life. Jesus is asking you, and I know what you're thinking, right? This is where it gets scary. Because how many of us like to get burned? How many of you wake up today and you're like, I'd like to get burned by relationships today? I would like to so love my spouse that I feel hurt at the end of the day because it didn't feel reciprocated. How many of you think I'm going to just pour into my kids? That's not just that. That's not so hard, right? What about your neighbor that's John Elway and he's kind of a jerk? Runs in your mailbox. I love that I can just say John Elway and everyone pictures him being a jerk in real life because he is a jerk in real life. Somebody I know went to school with him at Stanford. So, so, so all these things. But just think about like that person who's not very nice, the person who's super loud. Like, How in the world are we going to pour into? Uh, where's the limit of being nice to people? Because Jesus is saying, you, you open yourselves up. So we got a picture. That looks like this. Friends and family over here, that's super easy. The Christian life and then danger. In your life, where do you think you put your mark in your Christian life? Would you be closer to the danger end of relationships or closer to just looking after your friends and family? All right, I got a letter in the mail. I got it in my email. In fact, I had three to choose from, so I'm going to tell you about three amazing offers that have come into my inbox. You might not get this many, but I have pastor in my email, so I get some of these. Here's one. Dear fund beneficiary, your compensation funds payment order via ATM card. This is to inform you that we have been working towards the eradication of fraudsters and scam artists in Africa with the help of the United States government 
Benin Republic government, United Kingdom government, and International Monetary Fund, and Bureau, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Keep in mind that the only person I can deal with is named Jeffrey C. Campbell, and I should talk to him with all my, wait, I got another invitation. This mail is from deceased account officer to whom, this is in the last week, by the way, I just thought, oh, I'll check. Your name, address, including your email was found in the disease file of Citibank NA Ghana while we confirmed that late customer ENGR, does anyone know what that even stands for? I looked it up, so this guy was either an engineer or an engraver. So that, that was the two options on Google. So late customer engraver, Jack Ferrar Powell. Then they have an offer of multi, ooh, this one's even better. Attention, this is to confirm that the sum of 200, 2 million, whoa, $250 million, I didn't even realize it was that lucrative, was approved in your name on the 11th of July, 2017 for your compensation as a scam victim from random section done by the United Nation of all African scam victims. So I just have to give them my information and then I get part of that uh, lawsuit. Most of these, obviously the scam artists are getting pretty, I think they're scam artists, right? The, the scam owners, where would you put that following through on this and loving your neighbor? Because it seems they do need help, right? They need help moving this money. So where would that go? Would that go towards friends or family or towards danger? My, my guess is that most of us function in the realm of safety. Most of us really aren't putting ourselves out there. Most of us are not riding that edge of danger when it comes to our relationships. What is Jesus asking you? Now, obviously, Jesus is not saying just put yourself out there, give all your money away. Right? We have other passages where it says, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. But in your life, and I think this would be our one takeaway, are there relationships that you've shut down? Are there relationships or people that you have not reached out to because you're afraid you're going to get burned? Do you have kids that you've kind of started to cut off because you don't want to be hurt? You have a brother or sister, aunt and uncle that you don't really talk to because it's not worth the trouble. You have a friend at work that no one really likes, and I've, I've heard again that sometimes the people who are hardest to love are the ones who need it the most. Is there, are you finding your friendships with parasocial Jimmy Fallon's and trying to relate with them, or is there actual people in your life where you say, you know what, maybe, maybe I just slide a little bit over in my Christian life. And if you do that, I guarantee you're going to get burned at times. And you're going to get hurt. And you're going to be sad. But what kind of impact, and we've said this before, who is better equipped to love the people that seem so unlovable than you? It's not my brother, it's your brother. My brother is my brother, not your brother. My mom is my mom, not your mom. Who is better equipped to reach into these people's lives than you are? And why do we do it? because relationships matter. The only way that love is conveyed is through relationships, and God loved you. God, God looked at you, and when he says, what, what does it say about him? You'll become children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the, the wicked. God, you are the ungrateful. I'm the ungrateful. As we just sit and function and think that people should like us because we're so great, and we don't have time for other people, but Christ made time to come here. Christ made time to become part of your life. Christ came and gave his life and his blood and he let that flow through him on a cross 
so that you could be loved and you could be cherished and you don't have to worry about where I stand. You don't have to worry if you're loved. You don't have to worry if people are going to give me enough because you have been filled up. You've been completely loved, completely forgiven, completely set free for what reason? Not just to hang on this side of safety. Jesus says this is how you do it. You love your enemies. You put yourself out there. And you forgive some people who seem unforgivable. Amen. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we struggle with relationships because people hurt us, and it's way easier just to keep to ourselves. It's way easier to forget them and say they're dead to me. It's way easier to love personalities that are on TV and sports stars because they, they love us back in a sense. They perform and they do the things they want. There's no, there's no opening up of our heart to be hurt. There's a world of hurting people. There's a world of people that have no one to make a connection to. So we ask that we can open our hearts. We ask that we can love our enemies. We can ask that we love the people who have hurt us, maybe in the past. We can get past things. We can forgive things and help love them. You're not asking us to be foolish. You're not asking us to be burned. You're not asking us to give our money away to scam artists. But instead, help us see with clear eyes people who have a real need and help us see with clear eyes how through you we can really pour into their lives and we can be the ones who, who show them what love is. Just if you have lavished your love on us, let us be the ones who show an example of what it means to be a Christian, to be loved by you. And they ultimately, they, they don't feel the love just from us. They feel and know that completeness only in you. We ask this in your name.